0: Thank you everybody and a massive welcome back to the Creepy and Paranormal Show. I hope that you have all been keeping well and opening your eyes to all the creepiness that is around whether it is researching stuff on the internet or just watching TV and looking at things with a different perspective because today's episode is all about subliminal messaging And I know a lot of you might be thinking that it's just a conspiracy, but today I'm here to tell you and prove to you how real and common subliminal messaging is. Alright, so sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Like any good story, we have to start right at the very beginning, and the word subliminal comes from the Latin sublimen, literally below the threshold. And in this case, meaning below the threshold of conscious awareness. Okay, let's fast forward to the early 1900s when a theology journal spoke of subconsciousness thought as subliminal mentation. My dog Coco could have not timed that freaking bark any better. Anyways, I don't know what the hell they're barking at. Um, I've had to pause while recording because they just went on a whole little rant of barking. Went to go and look. And guess what? Nothing. Well, nothing that I could see at least, so... Anyways, moving on, subliminal mentation. Then, in the 1940s, psychologists began to consider external subliminal stimuli, wondering if things unnoticed consciously by a subject may still affect their behavior. Now, it continued to be a subject of interest to psychologists right up until the 1950s. As interesting as the topic may have been for psychologists, It proved even more intriguing to advertisers who saw an opportunity in influencing behavior for fun and profit. I think mostly for profit. Let's just be quite honest there. And in 1957, an ad ad man... Oh, my word. Let me try that again. In 1957, an ad man named James Vickery claimed he could increase concession sales at movie theaters by flashing messages like drink Coca-Cola or eat popcorn for a frame at a time during any said movie. Now, Vickery claimed that popcorn sales at the theater went up 18%, while Coke sales shot up by 57%. Now, if you have to look at that in terms of math numbers, and if you do your sales, that is a shitload of Coke that has been increased just because of the word being flashed. Now, while Vickery just wanted to make a quick buck, some were scared that the technique could be used for brainwashing. Hmm, yeah, like like that's where they're worried about brainwashing coming, not what the American government and I'm sure pretty much every other country's government have done in the past. But anyway, now Vickery was even asked to test the messages before the Federal Communications Commission, which was called the FCC for short, and Congress. And the only result? His eat popcorn message seemed to have actually made Senator Charles Potter want a hot dog instead. So, as it actually turns out, Vickery's claims were a hoax. He had made up the results to drum up businesses for his ad agency. And of course, that didn't stop advertisers from trying to use subliminal messages or keep the public from worrying about them. So, by 1959, we can actually find evidence for the specific phrase, subliminal message, first used in reference to Vickery scam. Now, throughout the 60s and 70s, experiments with subliminal messaging continued without much clear evidence that the practice worked or did it. Here are a couple of examples that I have come across and, well, when I say come across, I was researching and I saw them, so I thought I have to share them with you. Now, sometimes a subliminal advert is not a well-worked image or a visual illusion. Sometimes, these adverts just happen because the specific product is always there, or possibly even in the background, without even being really evident. This is what is called product placement, and it is when certain products or locations are repeatedly shown on TV shows or in films. Now, Samsung took this one step further, and regardless whether it was all staged, which it seems as though it was, The selfie that Ellen DeGeneres took at the Oscars celebration all the way back in 2014 was a huge welcome for the brand Samsung. They were the global sponsor of the awards, but they confirmed that they never planned for the TV presenter to get together some of the most popular faces in Hollywood for a picture. Now the photo that was taken with the Samsung is a great example that shows marketing with a subliminal message done well can be very effective. So basically, the way it's working is when you were looking at the Oscars, you know it was called the Samsung sponsored Oscars, Oscars or whatever the case may be. And then this famous selfie came out that Ellen DeGeneres took. And the first thing you think of with selfie is camera, camera, phone, phone, Samsung. So that is the way they try to work this into the idea of subliminal messaging or just great marketing. Now, one of the biggest controversies ever relating to subliminal messages happened in one of the the favorite advertising places for the tobacco and alcohol industry, which was Formula One. And in fact, next to monthly magazines, this is one of the few places left where they can still advertise. Everybody has their own morning routines, but on the top of my list is coffee. Strong, hot, black coffee. I physically can't start the day without a cup. However, sometimes life gets in the way and you're forced to buy a cup of coffee while on the road. And if you're like me, you struggle to find one that tastes good and is affordable. Well now, there is a one-stop solution for you. Homeground coffee. The name is brilliant and so is the service. Situated at Benoni Northern Sports Ground, it's a nice central point for your morning commute. And why not get a delicious muffin or pie to go along with it? Homeground Coffee is the perfect go-to, and I advise you strongly to give them a try. When you do, let them know that I sent you. Find them on Facebook at Homeground Coffee, as well as Instagram. That's Homeground Coffee, H-O-M-E-G-R-O-U-N-D. That's possibly why Marlborough has been advertising in the world of motorsport for years. However, because of the laws banning the advertising of these products, they have had to innovate and advertise themselves in a more subtle way. And at one point, all of the tobacco brand logos were removed from the cars due to these restrictions. However, Marlborough cleverly got round this ban by creating a more subtle design. They simulated a tobacco packet by painting a barcode on the back of the car. You can see it here in this picture, it is as clear as day. Now, sometimes brands and their logos can become so familiar that we don't realize the real significance behind their design. And in fact, every logo is thought of and designed based on a set of objectives that define the brand, and that is how it becomes their hallmark. Now, in Toblerone's case, its logo wants to take us to the Alps, the origin of the chocolate. Through the image of the mountain, they want to bring you to the Servino Mountain, the 5th highest peak in the Alps. But how does the brand do that or tell us more about their origin? Now if you look at the image of the mountain, you will see it hidden in a silhouette, a bear. That is the animal that connects Toblerone with Berna, the town of its origin. This is an example of marketing with a subliminal message where the brand later admitted their intention. It created panic Because a lot of people found a message printed on inside of the bottle top saying, Help me trapped in Sobe factory. And in fact, a lot of people shared it on social networks, thinking that they were raising the alarm for a worker who was in danger. However, it was a subliminal marketing campaign. The intention wasn't to cause any distress. It was just trying to bring a smile to people's faces. Unfortunately, it didn't work in quite the way that they had hoped. Now, I'm still trying to figure out what the fuck that's got to do with anything in the sense of they were trying to um, bring awareness to the brand. So, yes, the brand got awareness. But let's just be honest. What were they playing at with that line? Like that really just didn't make sense. Anyways, it's just one of those that, unfortunately, I can't give you any more information on because I do not know the answer. Right, The Simpsons. Oh, gosh, that is everyone's absolute favorite from people um, sending me pictures of it saying, look, it's proven The Simpsons can predict the future and all of that kind of stuff, when in fact, it's really not. Um, If you just go and do a little bit of research, you'll see the episodes come out afterwards. But nonetheless, they are still extremely smart about the way they go about their business. Now, before the first ever episode, um, sorry, not before the first episode, the legendary series of The Simpsons, so starting all the way back in the beginning, is completely full of hidden messages as well as references that you probably may not have noticed, like this one. So if we look at the series called Futurama, Way before, well not way, but before the first episode ever aired of Futurama, the creators of Simpsons Simpsons, gave a subtle shout out to the audience to make sure they would watch the new TV show. Now, as you can see in the image, during the credits, the words Watch Futurama were placed between the first name and surname of the executive producer, David Cohen. But now it wasn't the only nod that was given to the new series that was about to be launched at the time. Now, as you can see from the next image, in one of the scenes, you can clearly see a character wearing a Futurama t-shirt. Talk about something futuristic. So I'm not going to even lie to you. I never knew about this one, really, or have I ever known how to pronounce this word, but let me give it a bash. So Sony Vio's logo is one that hides a hidden message that can't be seen that easily. Now, if you look closely, the design of the word Vio shows the symbol of analog and digital that defines the two worlds in which the brand works. It is a super clever use of advertising and subliminal marketing because it is not supposed to be understood or appreciated by everyone so easily. Today's sponsor is called Invoice Cloud. Now, this is really awesome if you're an entrepreneur, small business owner, or even a freelancer. You know how difficult it is to manage and then create those invoices for your customers. But with Invoice Cloud, you have everything you need to create simple professional estimates on the fly. It's easy to use and understand and getting rid of all the nonsense so you can have more time to do what matters most, which is to grow your business. Invoice Cloud allows you to add your company details, logo, customer information, as well as products, making it a breeze to send estimates to your clients anytime Anyway, Now, if you want to start your free seven-day trial and get invoicing in just under five minutes, all you need to do is head over to InvoiceCloud.co.za and boom, you are sorted. That's InvoiceCloud.co.za. I thought this one was super awesome and super cool, not only because it's food, but Tostitos is another logo that has a hidden message and is not designed by accident. In fact, Even though it contains a subliminal message, it is one that can't be seen quite easily. The two T's in the middle of the words look like two people eating a Tostito and dipping it in salsa. With this image, the brand is trying to encourage their customers to consume the product. What about old Snooty Peacock? Can you see two things in the image of Snooty Peacock? You are right, and that is the purpose of the popular Jewelers logo. This image plays with optical illusions and that depending on where your focus is, you will see either one image or another. The typical example of this being the glass that shows two faces. The logo shows on the one hand a woman with a chain around her neck and the other a peacock. The illustration is designed to allude to the elegance of the brand in the form of a peacock and also the unique woman who make the jewellery. Another example of a logo which is based on an optical illusion is the corporate logo of Spartan Golf Club, which hides a double message. Number one, on the one hand, you can see a person playing golf, the main service of the actual business. And then number two, it appears a face wearing a Spartan helmet, which references to the name of the club. So these were just some little fun tidbits of subliminal messaging, mar- uh, subliminal messaging slash good marketing. But how about subliminal messages in movies? Because for me, that is where it's extremely well placed and well done. So we're going to be looking at Stanley Kubrick, who, let's just be honest, Stanley Kubrick is surrounded by conspiracy in the movie industry from having faked the, the the NASA moon landings to having worked with Walt Disney to create um, illusions about the moon landing. So yeah, there's a lot of um, controversy around him. But Stanley Kubrick was the kind of dude who was so attentive to detail, or possibly so anal about it. Some might say that he probably had his car serial numbers memorised off by heart. Lest you think we're exaggerating. Consider that when he directed Dr. Strangelove, Kubrick made sure that the sets depicting the inside of the B-52 bomber were 100% accurate, despite the fact that actually seeing the inside of a B-52 was at the time completely and totally classified. Hmm. I wonder how he got around this little loophole. The point I'm trying to make is that Kubrick doesn't make mistakes, so it's certainly an intentional decision on his part that the interior layout of the Overlook Hotel, which was the haunted uh, mansion slash house in the movie The Shining, just by the way, my favourite movie of all time, is absolutely physically impossible. For context, let's remember that The Shining's plot entails a recovering alcoholic named Jack Torrance, who was played by who? Jack Nicholson, of course, bringing his family into the Overlook to kindly return Jack's favour. The hotel then turns him into a murderous psychopath. Now, to depict Jack's slide into insanity, Kubrick deliberately skews physical perceptions by having the Overlook's layout make no sense whatsoever. The specific geographic impossibilities have been mapped out by dedicated fans who pointed out windows that shouldn't even exist, overlapping rooms, illogical walls, and the list goes on. These bizarre, almost imperceptible distortions create a subtle cognitive collusion with the viewer. And who the frickin' hell figured that out? It's supposedly been talked about... Uh, Talked around about for a while, but this was actually highlighted when someone making a custom map of the Overlook Hotel for Duke Nukem 3D Found that it violated the laws of physics. Well done Stanley Kubrick Speaking of Walt Disney How could the house of mouse do this to us? Sure We knew Tyler Durden was happy to screw with us, but Disney itself. Yes, Digging into the history of subliminal imagery reveals that even the animated classics we grew up with were busy messing with our heads. One Disney movie that was especially gleeful about sneaking subliminal imagery into our poor little brains was 1991's Beauty and the Beast. Now, do you ever wonder why Belle seems like an outsider in her poor little village? It's not just that she reads books. All of the other villagers are wearing washed-out earth tones, the same colour scheme as the village itself, while Belle is the only one wearing blue. This colour clash is why she seems so different. Disney, well played with that little bit of trickery. But the sneakiest bit of subliminal imagery tucked into the movie comes into play during the death of that arrogant bastard Gaston. The animators wanted to show that the egotistical jerk was actually dead. I mean, real dead. But but displaying his rotting corpse impaled on the spikes beneath the castle would settle for alarm bells around the studio as well as parents saying that it is too graphic for their children. So instead, they literally drew the reflection of skulls over his pupils, which appear for only one single fucking frame. Now, Gaston's been in the grave ever since, so by now he's certainly irritating everyone in the afterlife with his haughty show of manliness. I just love how unmanly I said the word manliness. Back in 1959, everyone thought that cheap motels were a good deal and that showers were the safest places in the world. But then Alfred Hitchcock came along in 1960 and fucked it up for everyone, making the world afraid of cheap motels, and frightening millions of people into always locking the bathroom door when they go to shower. What movie are we talking about? Of course, it is Psycho. So, it is the story of a boy's close, loving relationship with his overprotective mother. Except, the mother has been a mummified uh, corpse for the last 10 years, and the boy is just a little psychotic man named Norman Bates. Now, whenever Norman becomes attracted to a nice young woman, his mother personality goes out and kills her. This rather uncomfortable twist, which was loosely inspired by real-life serial killer Ed Gein, comes in at the end of the film. And if you don't know who Ed Gein is, I have covered it in an episode, so please go and have a look at it. I will drop the link in the description below. Now, Norman is taken into custody for his murders, and the camera lingers on his face as his mother personality takes over his mind, demonstrated by a voiceover in which she claims that the murders weren't her fault. It is subtly creepy ending for a creepy fucking movie. But it's injected with a little extra tingle of creepiness when for two seconds of the film, Hitchcock overlays the image of mother's rotting skull over Norman's face. This brief subliminal effect, a visual representation of the dark reality inside Norman's mind, will leave puffy, throbbing scars on your mind for a long, 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 long time ahead. Right, let's take a look at the famous franchise movie called Alien, and have you ever wondered why the xenomorph is so scary? It's because the alien is a breathing drooling sexual metaphor. That's right, a sexual metaphor. The guy who designed the beast, H.R. Gaga, deliberately gave it a long phallic head and a vaguely clitoral second mouth that's supposed to invoke ancient fears of vagina dentata, a vagina armed with sharp teeth that can chomp down on, well, <laughs> your knob. Now, go see teeth if you want to see that visual in more detail. So, yeah, please... It's really graphic in my opinion. Now, but as far as the movie Alien goes, here is the little breakdown. Ridley Scott's movie isn't really about people getting slaughtered by some weird extraterrestrial. It's actually about rape. Gaga's not the only one who made everything all sexual, either. Alien was conceived as a rape allegory way back in the scripting stage when screenwriter Dan O'Bannon stating that the movie's potent horror images are deliberately sexual. Now, for example, take the facehugger, which inserts its member down Kane's throat and impregnates him with a chest buster. O'Bannon describes this image as being oral rape, designed to make male audience members cross their legs. Later on, Kane forcibly gives birth to a rather nightmarish fetus that resembles an erect penis with teeth. Let's not pretend otherwise. What occurs here is that a man is raped, impregnated, and then forced to give birth to a baby he never wanted. Through this allegory, the film attempts to cast a long, hard glance at just how violating and destructive rape is. 100% can get behind that idea, that is smart marketing, it's rather graphic, but yes, we are fighting rape so that is great. I think it's time to finish off this creepy little show by going back to 1973 and examining what many still call the scariest horror movie ever made. That's right, we are talking about the movie The Exorcist, that quaint, cheery, cozy little film about a young girl being demonically possessed. Now, The Exorcist would be a frightening enough, at all, if it wasn't done with the show The Girl's Possession, but oh no. It just had to go and horrify us with some subliminal messages as well. So you see that face right there? These days, fans call it Captain Howdy. If you recognize it, that's probably because it flashes on the screen a few times during the exorcist. Just long enough to quietly haunt your nightmares. And according to the director, William Friedkin, this face wasn't even registered by audience members until the advent of home video, and today people only see it because they actually are able to pause the film. Now, that wasn't the only bit of subliminal trickery in this film though. Friedkin also added the sound of buzzing bees to the background of 30 spooky scenes, hoping to trigger a flight or fright response in viewers. And you actually thought that little girl was just scary enough. right? I think it's time to wrap up the episode right there. I want to hear from you in the comments below. What was your favorite bit of subliminal messaging slash trickery or good marketing that I've mentioned here? Are there some that I've missed that are really good and should be on this list? Let me know as well. Now, something that when I think of subliminal messaging is mind control because of how secretive it's done against you without your will and when we start talking about mind control, absolutely, you probably think of Project MK Ultra. Now, that is one episode where I would like to do a deep dive into MK Ultra. So you probably would be looking at an hour-long episode. If it is something that you're interested in me covering, I know a lot of other content producers have done it. But if it's something you'd like to hear my irritating voice do, please let me know as well in the comments below. Anyways, guys, girls... Ghosts and ghouls, I suppose. Don't forget to check your beds tonight when you go to sleep.